0: Mind and the Motorcycle Monologues, Volume 2 Larry's Under the Rainbow Motorcycle Adventure I decided to do my second podcast about a special motorcycle ride I took to celebrate my 70th birthday Right around this time, about five years ago The most amazing thing happened As soon as I started reading what I had written on my blog, MindAndTheMotorcycle.com commercial, I got drawn right back into that amazing adventure. I looked at all the photographs and listened to some of my brief podcasts I put together during the trip. I swear the memories came to life. My mind time traveled back then when the adventure actually began. Right now I'm looking at the poster I created for the trip, which I called Larry's Under the Rainbow Adventure. It had the route mapped out with dates and destinations. I promoted the ride with the local Harley dealer and Kong Radio. I don't remember exactly when the idea hit me to go to the mainland and rent a Harley Street Glide. I spent months putting the itinerary together. I treated it like putting together a production, a show. I researched the gear I needed because the idea is to be self-contained on a bike. I made a deal with an outfit called Resorts Parks International. To stay at various campgrounds at a discount, because I offered to write stories for their electronic newsletter. Being a promoter, I couldn't help myself. I also called into Ron Wiley at Kong on most mornings just to t- chat about my travels. RV parks are a universe unto themselves. Many people spend their summers at the same place with the same friends. It's really it was an incredible uh, world to to visit, and it goes on. Every summer. Putting together this podcast, I have read and reread my post and have really felt like I was back in that journey. Here goes. My first real entry was September 9th, 2015, around a week before the adventure. Here is the first audio and a bit of a fantasy spoof. because I'm right outside the 20-foot container filled with the monitoring gear from my trip, which is now only about a week away. There are a dozen people crammed in this hermetically sealed container, monitoring everything from weather to the movement of my pupils. I know all this time you thought my pending ride was kind of like a joke, but it's actually quite serious. It is a place where technology, the sciences of the precise, meet straight up with the school of who knows what's next. I like the name Larry. Somewhere Under the Rainbow Motorcycle Adventure. We are going to identify these little podcasts by volume one and episode numbers, which make this volume one, episode one. With all of the writing and talking about my ride, it is now about a week off, so I think it is safe to begin the actual motorcycle adventure. We will be shipping the container air cargo to San Francisco, and it will unobtrusively shadow me on my ride. They are under strict instructions not to engage me with under any circumstance, no matter what subterfuge I come up with. I have been talking it up quite a bit recently. Speaking of talking, I want to leave each piece with a short podcast like this. I'm going to pretend I have one passenger along for the ride, and I will want to have a short talk at the end of the day, share some pictures, and write a brief story about some things I wasn't able to share during the ride that day. Thank you for considering to be my passenger. My first stop was Berkeley, California, and a motel with a bulletproof glass window, only the best for me. I got in at night and took the BART to the motel and dragged my 52 pounds of gear behind me. I picked up the Harley the next day, dragging the luggage up and down the hills of San Francisco. I loaded up the bike, and because of for some unforeseen complications, I didn't get on the road until late in the afternoon. Graduating from my 525-pound Honda to an 850-pound Harley was an adjustment I never really got used to. My maiden voyage was at least a nine-hour ride through the worst rush-hour traffic, then through idyllic farm country, culminating in an after-dark, cold, cold climb up into the mountains approaching Yosemite. I made it to Yosemite Lakes just before the office closed And it was one hell of an introduction. I think when you spend hours on a motorcycle, once you get to where you are going, you want to be inside for a while. Right now, I'm in my hyper-warm little prefab cabin at Yosemite Lakes, the rented Harley with Alaska plates, please don't ask, resting outside in the sun. I had an incredibly long day yesterday, which I'll be writing about shortly. All I will say right now is that getting out of San Francisco late in the afternoon should be experienced at least once, and only once. No, I take it back. How about never? Going 80 miles per hour with three other lanes to keep me company is not a casual bike ride. Now riding on a sweet two-lane country road is like a two-wheel tranquilizer. Climbing a winding mountain road in the dark and cold is its own kind of bad. I had them all yesterday. Two weeks of this moto-gypsy life is going to be very interesting. Oh, I forgot to say that this volume is episode two of Larry's Somewhere Under the Rainbow Motorcycle Adventure. Headed to Yosemite, and one of the great moments of my life, I was on Route 120, and I owned the road. The rock outcroppings are like fists trying to punch the sky. It was absolutely stunning scenery. It was also really crowded. And, of course, I'm now recording this, and we're living in the world of COVID and completely different. But back then, there were just loads of people all over Yosemite. On the other side of the ride, as you get down off the hill, it's a mo- there's a mobile gas station and the whole Nelly Deli where I had a mango margarita. And I was feeling good. I made it to a wonderful place called the Bridgeport Inn which was outfitted with cowboy memorabilia and a great bar. It was off to Lake Tahoe in the morning. We are live from Lake Tahoe. I'm sitting overlooking the long beach of Lake Tahoe, a victim of California's extended drought. As beautiful as the scenery has been so far, it's definitely parched. I pulled into South Lake Tahoe early this afternoon, and I've got some time to hang out before I sequester myself in yet another magnificent motel room to write my post for today. After I checked in and unpacked my bike again, I decided I needed to get out and about, which is yet another first. My comfort level is slowly increasing with each stop. After this recording, it's back on the bike to see how I will fill out the rest of my day here. Got to find the cash machine, which ought to be pretty easy in a gambling town. I'll see if I can find a place for dinner that is not part of a cookie-cutter franchise. I think it's time to pay some attention to the mind side of Mind and the Motorcycle. It has definitely been challenging in the first few days of this adventure. I am slowly relaxing with each new setting. I have to confess to being completely turned around. So far, even finding words has been tough, which is why I have focused on the writing side of things. By the way, talking and writing to you folks is a real mindfuck and incredibly surreal. I can write and avoid the seven forbidden words, but it isn't possible when I speak. We have just broken the ice, and I feel good about it. I tooled around Tahoe with its gaudy casinos and other cheesy gambling-related businesses. I actually had a little time for myself. The next morning, I started a seven-hour ride, which took me around Lake Tahoe and through South Lake Tahoe into Truckee. Unknowingly, I rode into a bicycle race, which cut off most of the roads, but I made it to a diner in town. I got to ride on Route 49, both north and south, because I can't tell you how many times I got lost and had to backtrack. My destination was a little town called Souvenville, Susanville. I went to Lassen Ale Works and had a whole bunch of beers and then off to bed. The next day turned into one of the more interesting ones uh, for me on this ride. I stupidly forgot to fill up my gas tank. My trip would take me to Weed, Oregon by way of the Lassen National Park with beautiful clusters of the pines and plenty open space. I decided not to fill the tank, which was unbelievably dumb. I nervously watched it, and I noticed a Harley parked at a rest stop nearby. I shared my dilemma with Fred and Brandy, who were kind enough to get some fuel into my tank, somehow refilling their Coors can. I found a pit stop for more gas and then rode to Mount Shasta, a great little town, and they were having a farmer's market at the time. I made it to Weed, Oregon, by nightfall and found a Chinese restaurant in a mall behind the motel. I had a really short ride the next day of only a couple of hours, which was really unusual for me. I rode to Klamath Falls, a town I really liked. I liked it so much, I dropped the bike on Main Street and 8th. I rode to Klamath Lake in the afternoon. Highway 97 runs into Bend and cuts through some wide open spaces where logging trucks fly by in the opposite direction and you can smell the sap and feel the wind. I stayed at the Bend Sun River Campgrounds in a cozy little cabin and actually felt like a bit of winter at night. I headed into town the next morning to meet my friend Michael. We were going camping at a place called Detroit Lakes. I used to camp a great deal in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I ended up sleeping in the clothes I was wearing and got up the next morning wearing the same clothes. We rode into heavy rain to a town called Dundee, where Michael was building a winery. I dropped my bike on the way down the road, and I dropped my bike on the way out. Following picking up my bike one more time, I was off to a town called Neskawin Creek. I had already started my descent from the mountains to the Pacific, and I could feel the difference in the air and even the energy. I rode through a small community, and there she was, the Pacific Ocean. I have spent many years getting to know her from Kauai, and it felt like I was beginning to complete the circle of my ride. From the time I booked a safari-style tent at Coos Bay, Oregon, I was looking forward to the experience. In a way, this whole trip was like a safari into my soul, and the idea of the tent was just so perfect. The sound you hear is the Pacific Ocean, and I refer to it in the post I just finished. For days, I have been trying to transfer audio from my cell phone to my computer so I can upload these little podcasts into my posts. I'm incredibly happy that at least I can do it tonight, especially when sound plays such a factor in the safari tent environment. This is kind of an afterthought, and I am incredibly tired now. I'm thinking about getting under the covers with the sleeping bag for insurance. Listening to these sounds will be a perfect accompaniment to my sleep. Great talking to you, and maybe I can get back into the audio group for the last piece of the ride, and this is volume one, I think it's episode four, of Larry's Somewhere Under the Rainbow Motorcycle Adventure. Aloha. The next morning, I rode up to a viewing area where you could see walruses sunning themselves on the rocks sitting by the sea. I just don't know how many things I've seen that I have never seen before and will likely not see again. What a privilege for me. I rolled into Crescent City around 6 p.m. that night, and all I could think about was seeing the redwoods the next day. The ride down was along Highway 101, hugging the Pacific. My god. I got up early in the next morning, and I ran in a fairly barren-feeling park, but the ocean was right out there. Yes, I found the redwoods, and I don't know what to say. Many of them are burning right now, and it's like killing a choir, a chorus of silent reverence to all they have witnessed. These magnificent beings can't help but make you feel so very small. I even followed a sign that said, The Big Tree. I stopped to pay my respects. The next morning, I was on Highway 1 on my way to Fort Bragg, which was a great surprise. However. This highway is about as terrifying as it gets on a fat Harley and an uneasy rider. Having a logging truck right behind you, waiting to swallow you if you go too slowly around the hairpin curve, is not the most comfortable feeling. I really and truly liked Fort Bragg. Of all the places I visited, this is the only one where I could have spent some serious time. You know, there are places and you can just feel their energy, and this one spoke to me. I had a great conversation with a guy who's been there for years and has a radio show, along with working at a fantastic brewery called the North Coast Brewery. So many thriving towns died when their primary industry folded, and so many are just boarded up depressing places. Fort Bragg is a great exception, and I was so glad I stopped to visit. My ride was nearly over. My next to the last stop was Russian River and another wonderful cabin. If I remember, I rode out to a hamburger joint and then back to the cabin. I had a great run the next morning, right along the Russian River. The ride back to San Francisco was hellacious. After a while, with all my close calls I had on the road, I started to worry that my luck would run out. Toward the end of the ride, I really started to become less and less comfortable. Somehow, I managed to make it over the Golden Gate Bridge and into San Francisco. When I finally dropped my bike off at the starting point, I can't even begin to tell you what it felt like for me. I actually did it, and I would only know how incredibly challenging it was for me. It was kind of my little secret with myself. Honestly, I don't know what I could have done if I couldn't write to people like you during this incredibly lonely and challenging ride that I felt I had to do. uneasy rider and the fifth episode of larry's somewhere under the rainbow motorcycle adventure i am back in my portable recording studio after having witnessed the blood moon or super moon or the blushing moon my name for her since the beginning she has looked down on us and my guess is she's is blushing embarrassed by so much of our behavior i have laid off the politics on this ride and i'm not going there now either i also think my personal politics has become just that a more personal way of engaging the world. Even this blog is my politics. With age, I have grown smaller. If politics is about making a difference, then mine is about touching people closest to me. I think the way you do that is by living your life, and that is all. There is a huge difference between changing people and touching them. Talking is way more spontaneous than writing. I have fought to stay in the moment, but it's a bitch to pull off, especially on a journey like this. I think it is going to take quite a while for this ride to run its internal course through me, and I'm going to keep trying to share what's going on, if you don't mind. Thank you for listening. My blog at mindandthemotorcycle.com goes into so much more detail. I really enjoyed revisiting my ride there. Thank you again.